Hey folks, you're very welcome back to the Meditations on Movement podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing a very important topic. We're going to be discussing the different variables in your training, basically, that you are able to adjust and modify that elicit adaptations and help you make progress in your training. Uh, it's often a topic that people get stuck with when it comes to monitoring their own training. They're asking things like, what do I need to adjust? What do I need to change? Uh, a lot of people often get bogged down in sort of like the, the different methods. You might see different schools of thought, different ways of uh, periodizing, progressing. Uh, but basically what I want to give you here is sort of like the principles. And uh, to take something from, uh, basically the, the structure here I'm going to use is, is uh, a structure by someone called uh, Dr. Andy Galpin. Um, it's a sort of seven key things. Um, and basically what I'm giving you here in some sense are principles. I often talk about this a lot where uh, it's important to understand what the underlying principles of uh, a subject topic are because then you have a better idea of what you then go and change. Uh, within strength and conditioning, within programming, uh, within movement, you often find that there are loads of different methods out there. And we often get bogged down by looking at, okay, what is the specific method that this person is doing? And I need to follow that to a T. It's not necessarily that uh, I'm pointing out anyone in particular and saying, okay, their method is wrong. Often what I'm looking at is, okay, are they abiding by the underlying principles of, you know, basic sports science and strength and conditioning? If they are, then I know at least that there's, you know, uh, there's something behind the method itself. If a method is just kind of like, you know, uh, willy-nilly thrown out there, you're not going to find it valuable in a way because it often won't uh, progress. It won't advance our training in some sense. Um, so that's an important thing to realize is the difference here between what are the principles that I'm going to give you and then what are the actual methods. And I'm not going to give you too many methods. I might touch on one or two. Um, but hopefully with these principles, then you're able to understand where these methods come from and how to kind of go about even... Uh, discovering what your own methods are and what ones you actually like to use. This is sort of that delicate balance between what is sort of like the art and science um, of strength and conditioning of coaching. Uh, so the seven variables that we're going to have a look at today, um, I'm going to uh, say that these variables or these, um, this rank order, these categories um, are taken from someone by the name of Dr. Andy Galpin. He is an exercise physiologist in the States. Um, he's been on lots of different podcasts, uh, like so loads of material out there in terms of uh, him and, and that you can find. And the seven variables here uh, that we're going to discuss are basically choice, order, frequency, progression, intensity, volume, and rest. So these are the main seven variables that you're really going to be able to adjust in your training. So let's get into them straight away and just have a uh, kind of expand on each one of them, okay? So one thing I suppose before we even go into the variables to realize is you've got to obviously have a goal and an aim with your training. Uh, one important thing you see within strength and conditioning when you're looking at, I suppose, more at the sport-specific nature of things is the... Uh, idea of a needs analysis and performing a needs analysis is just kind of like uh, looking at uh, the the athlete in question looking at the sport and going okay 
what is the athlete potentially lacking in what are the things that we need to improve in and then obviously looking at the sport itself and seeing where the sort of blend of the two are um, and then what would be sort of good things to focus on there might be different stages in the season that you might look at different things in terms of their importance of developing them then you know off season you're going to have a lot more uh a lot more training time to develop to sort of like uh, weaknesses strength all that sort of stuff whereas in season you just might not have enough time you know in like a gym setting or a strength session weight session all that sort of stuff because there's so much uh playing time especially near the end of the season you're seeing uh lots of different matches being played in some sports and, and all that sort of stuff so a different different sports require different uh, strategies different needs analysis and all that sort of stuff so keep that in mind uh, if we're sort of a generalist in some sense and we're not looking at it as a as an athlete who has to play a specific sport and has to like peak at certain times of the season uh, then we just have to go back to what are our, our sort of general goals and what are we looking at as sort of like uh, areas that we want to develop and we might do a needs analysis uh, based on those specific goals okay but basically, that's what will influence our first variable, our choice. So choice here really is in terms of, say, the choice of movement that you're going to do. Um, this is where you sort of select uh, different things, different parts to uh, put into the program. And they're just going to be very specific, going to be back towards the goals in some sense. Um, the thing that speaks to me here is the sort of principle of specificity. Um, it's really important to be aware of this in terms of the the context of what you're doing you know um, we take uh, two different people doing two different things if someone is looking at say uh, something that is very single leg dominant it's going to be uh, very beneficial for them to maybe look at something like uh, single leg variations of movements like pistol squats uh, skater squats stuff like that um, and look at them as as movements to to get stronger in while they might benefit from, say, like a heavy back squat or something like that, there's just no denying that, like, the specificity that would be the movements that are very similar that they go through in their sport or the, the specific sort of uh, qualities that are relevant to that sport. There's always going to be that sport sort of specific need when it comes to the, the choice of movements. Other things that might impact your choice, for example, would be, say, like, the person's capabilities, okay? So if they're more advanced, if they're intermediate or a beginner, uh, this is something that might influence the choice. You know, you're not going to give a beginner a really advanced movement and then vice versa. An advanced person uh, might be able to get more benefit from a more advanced version of a movement rather than a really regressed version. So so kind of knowing that sort of continuum is really good as well um, in terms of that first variable uh, of choice. So that's sort of an important thing to keep in mind when you think of that first variable. And that's, as I say, that sort of distinction between principles and methods that I'm trying to uh, sort of give you here is the methods would be okay the individual choices and stuff like that but the principle that we're talking about here really is the the idea of choice okay uh, Dr. Andy Yalton says it perfectly he says uh, the methods are many but the principles are few okay so it's always bringing it back to those sort of principles all right uh, next is the I hope that that's been enough to sort of expand on I know we could spend uh, loads more time going through there in terms of like the, the different things of choice and stuff like that but uh, I want to get on through the list and make sure that we give each of them adequate time so the next one really is uh, order so with order what you want to think here is maybe like the order of say the actual session itself um, and then even potentially the order of sort of like what your week might look like um, when you think of order in a session um, there's a, a powerlifting coach by the name of Sebastian Oreb that puts it quite well where he says, you know, the 
first thing that you work on is going to be the thing that you get better at. And there's, there's certainly some merit in that, but I think we have to realize the context that that's being used is sort of like a powerlifting context. Uh, you'll see with, with powerlifting, a lot of the focus obviously is on strength, absolute strength. Um, so they're kind of looking at it as like, right, the first movement that I do in my session is going to be the one that I'm going to be able to dedicate the most adaptive energy towards. So I'm going to make sure that I do my sort of priority stuff uh, first. But then when we sort of pull away from, okay, that's that's one really specific example of sort of powerlifting, we might look at like other sports where say, for example, there needs to be a aerobic element to it, like a conditioning element or a, or a muscular endurance element to it. Uh, there might also be a strength element to it. There might also be sort of a speed power element to it. And there might also be, say, an agility and uh, coordination element to it. Then we sort of have to go, okay, well, what is the order of the session that we're going to use in, a, in an example like that? Where we might say, okay, we, we certainly wouldn't want to do, say, like the conditioning element uh, first, because the conditioning element is really going to fatigue us to the point that we probably won't get as much from the other things when we do them. Whereas the conditioning at the sort of last thing, we'd sort of go, yeah, okay, that's probably going to be the better idea. Or we could kind of like completely separate it from the sort of uh, other things that we do. And this once again comes down to the order. The methods are many, but the principles are few. So don't think, for example, that I'm giving you, okay, this is exactly what you need to do. There's so many different ways that you could go about here in terms of the order, but it's just knowing, okay, an or the order is another variable that we can adjust and that we need to sort of play around with um, and get an understanding of what sort of specifically works for our goals, our needs, okay? Uh, like I was kind of saying there, it's prob there's probably gonna be a very little time dedicated for a power lifter uh, in terms of their conditioning, whereas um, they probably should dedicate like a small amount in terms of their total training time over the week. They need to obviously make sure that they can recover in between, uh, in between movements and in between sessions as well. You know, cardiovascular fitness for them is probably the more, more uh, underappreciated thing that they need to work on. So there certainly needs to be some time dedicated to it. Um, but then we might say, okay, a conditioning specific sport, we might say something like uh, football, soccer, whatever one you call it. Um, we might say there that, okay, that sort of conditioning element needs to certainly be a lot more of the training and then it's where exactly do we put it in. Uh, as I said there, it wouldn't be smart to really put that before, say like some strength work because you're just gonna have uh, like say for example the legs are going to be drained and you've got to do like uh, heavy squats skater squats or something like that and you're just not going to get as much out of it you're just going to get poor quality low reps uh, in terms of you know you just fatigued the area in particular whereas if you were to separate them uh, or else do potentially the the uh, strength work first that might be a lot more beneficial so it's a really important uh, variable to to know about and to adjust um, and then, as I said, the other thing might be, say, like throughout the week, that's that idea of sort of like uh, separating out in terms of your sessions, saying, OK, I'm going to do a conditioning block or most of my conditioning work and maybe my agility work in one session. And then I might do sort of like some speed, uh, some strength work and maybe mobility in another session. So lots and lots of different things that you can do there. Uh, the next one then is sort of the... Um, frequency that we can adjust. So frequency, when we think of this, uh, this might be, say, once again, the frequency of um, an individual movement. Like, let's say, for example, within a movement practice, you're trying to get better at uh, handstands. It might be very beneficial for you to do handstands more frequently, provided you have the sort of uh, baseline level of sort of requirements for, for a handstand that, you know, your wrists aren't too uh, affected by the, the regular frequency. 
it just means that you're putting in dedicating more time across the week as opposed to doing say like uh, one uh, hour long session you're getting in five to six 20 minute 30 minute sessions across the week and it's much easier to fit in across the week and um, it's less sort of stress on the arms or the wrists and stuff like that potentially whatever way you want to sort of go about it and um, you're certainly accumulating more frequency more time with that specific element so that you're gonna see a lot more benefit um, then it might be say like frequency of a particular uh, session across the week it might be a specific movement whatever it is that that's just the way to think of it is how frequently are you going to do it uh, training frequency in the sports context might be a lot higher in the off season in terms of like a weight room strength and conditioning style uh, session whereas uh, game time uh, is going to be much higher uh, in season so you might see in terms of the frequency of your uh, weight room weight room sessions going down but others kind of going up so another way to sort of think of the sort of frequency principle that we're thinking here about here in terms of our different variables okay lots of different methods but that's what we're sort of thinking about in terms of frequency uh progression is the next one um, and this sort of reminds me of the principle of sort of progressive overload so this is where we need to think in some sense that our training does need to progress and we're going to think about that in the next two that we look at in terms of intensity and volume but progression we just want to make sure that there is some sort of uh, advancement in our, tra our training something's going forward like um i always think back to examples of say when i was uh first starting out um I, you know i would have trained myself uh i would have advanced in terms of weights reps stuff like that lots of different things that i could adjust but then when i was working as a personal trainer for the first time it was very interesting seeing some people coming into the gym and just doing the same thing day in day out um, and not only is, does that get certainly monotonous and boring uh, to, to, to some extent it's how much your training is going to advance by doing that stuff you're going to see certainly when it's the, the first few times doing it you know it's just maybe the frequency with which you're doing something like if you're doing uh, uh, one session and you repeat it multiple times there's going to be a certain amount of uh, progress that you're going to see but then eventually it's just going to flatline and plateau. Uh, your body is going to get as much adaptation as it can from that specific uh, style of session, uh, that specific way in which you train. And then it's just going to be like, okay, the, the stimulus isn't enough for me to really need to change. I can I can do this pretty easily. Um, nothing has changed in terms of the length, the, the intensity, anything like that, the volume. None of that has changed, so I'm not really going to adapt. And you, it was just, it was such an interesting thing, seeing people uh, do that for such a long period of time, not really changing anything. Um, and it's, it's, it just, it instills it within me. It's just such an interesting thing to kind of think of it in that way that it really does need to be in there in whatever way it can be. You know, there's, there's small little things that we can adjust. All of the things that we're kind of discussing here in terms of the variables, there needs to be that sort of. Uh, changing and tinkering with things but it obviously needs to be in sort of a, a logical sense as well um, and this is just a reminder with this progression idea and um, which reminds me of the idea of progressive overload is just thinking of these small little things like changing your reps uh, changing the amount of sets you're doing uh, changing the sort of intent with maybe a particular movement you know you're looking at it in terms of a, a strength context but now you're trying to bring in sort of a a more speed and power focus to not only a specific movement but just the amount of that work uh, within your training all of these different things that can maybe be adjusted in a very logical sense 
Um, that's once again into the art of what we're doing, where you might say, okay, I'm going to do this before I do that. I'm going to do that before I do this. And you would look at a full year of someone's training. And um, that's one way to sort of think of it. But then just uh, intra-session, uh, how many, can I maybe do an extra few reps? Can I do a little bit of extra weight? Can I really uh, slow down the movement if, if I want to gain more control, if that's my focus? Can I potentially perform it quicker, more explosively, if that's the, my sort of intent and aim? So certainly the progressions, it's all going to sort of interweave with what is the sort of goals that you have in your training. Uh, but you're just making sure that you have some sort of way of progressing and applying that principle of progressive overload. Okay. Um, moving on from here, then we have, uh, so we've looked at choice, we've looked at order, frequency and progression. These next three are very interesting because they sort of affect each other in some way. Um, so we've got intensity next, and we can look at this in both a subjective and objective ways. So objectively speaking, we can look at it as like, say, our uh, if we think about it in a strength and conditioning context, we've got like, say, our uh, one rep maxes and stuff like that. We've got specific numbers in which we can do. Uh, if we don't know our one rep maxes, we could do, say, like a an AMRAP of, of a specific weight uh, where we just do as many reps as possible and we get an idea of, say, like how many uh, dips, press-ups we can do um, just till failure, basically. And that might be a good uh, sort of benchmark for us depending on our goals. Once again, it all sort of relates back to the goals. Uh, we might look at those and then we sort of uh, get a specific idea of, okay, well, what are the different intensities that we can train at? We might train at, say, 80%, 60%, 70%. Uh, of our one rep max or whatever sort of estimated training max we get. Uh, you can often estimate them. You can, you can look up different calculators online by estimating like a three rep max or something like that. By, by sorry, doing three reps and then it estimates your one rep max. And um, so lots of different ways that we can get sort of objective means uh, of something to measure, you know, uh, uh, our, our best 5K time, whatever it might be for the specific context. Um, we've then got... Uh, so that would be sort of the, the objective way of looking at intensity, like very specific data. Um, then we have more kind of the, uh, subjective way of looking at intensity and, and a good way of looking at this might be something like the, uh, or PE scale. So this is a rate of perceived exertion. You would rate things on a scale of say one to 10, uh, 10 being the, maximum amount of effort you could have given the idea is if i put a gun to your head you wouldn't have been able to get another rep so this is you're doing a, a certain amount of weight um, and you get to that last rep and you you're just absolutely exhausted and for say our beginners novices it's going to be a hard thing to sort of gauge because uh you've never really worked to that intensity and you probably shouldn't really because you're a beginner and a novice um so something that gets you get better at gauging over time when you're really maxing out um, and your ability to do so really gets uh, better. And that's certainly looking at it in terms of the strength context, but you can understand then how that intensity uh, sort of applies to uh, different areas. You start to rate on a scale of one to 10 what your sessions are like. Um, not just to say in terms of like specific uh, reps it might be a case of looking at an entire session and saying sort of the intensity of the session on a scale of one to ten and um, the the thing that i find really in terms of the best way of looking at intensity is to really use almost the the two ways the both subjective and objective data and um, 
sometimes we might not have the exact objective measurement on a specific movement, so we might just need to use uh, some way of sort of estimating our intensity, so we might use our subjective way of doing it. The thing I suppose with the subjective data is it will change on a regular basis, you know, if based on sort of like fatigue and stuff like that, because um, it is a perceived level of exertion. Um, you know, it might even be a case where because you're such a novice or intermediate in, in terms of your training experience, uh, you might think you're at an eight, but then you say to someone, okay, uh, that, that weight that you just did or that movement you just did that you thought was an eight, now do it till failure. Do, just do as much of it as you can. Obviously, maintain a certain level of quality and make sure you don't hurt yourself, but just keep going. Um, and then you suddenly find they've got loads and loads of reps in reserve they didn't realize was there. So that's another important thing about why maybe the subjective uh, means only really become applicable when you get to sort of that intermediate and advanced stage. Um, it's not really something that you want to rely on uh, too much uh, when it comes to sort of the, the early stages, the actual sort of rating system. But by all means, you know, if you're if you're getting to a point of uh, fatigue where you're losing a level of quality in terms of the movement that you're doing, that's where you know that you need to sort of uh, either stop, scale things back, record what you kind of did in terms of, say, the repetitions, and then sort of progress and advance from that stage. Um, so so that's sort of the, the important way of sort of distinguishing between those two things in terms of, say, the intensity of what you're doing. Um, and that might just sort of... Uh, give us an idea then in terms of say, uh, like say for example, our focus is strength and we're looking at say, doing uh, a certain amount of intensity at, uh, basically what I'm trying to say here is that like our intensity will influence how many, how much we're able to repeat something basically. So if we're doing something at like say our maximum intensity near 100, uh, like anywhere between sort of like 85, 90 to 95, we're probably not gonna do many reps of it. We're not really gonna be able to do a lot of it. Uh, so that sort of influences then the next stage looking at say our volume of what we're doing so our volume basically is say the amount of work and once again that can be looked at in terms of say the volume uh, per session per movement uh, or the volume of say like a whole week of training so volume then it, it, an easy way to sort of calculate it you've got like your your uh like rep volume basically you could just say like the amount of reps that you did so let's say for example you did three sets of uh 12 on something or you did uh a minute on something you or th for three rounds you just calculate that you'd get say okay i did uh three by ten so i did 30 reps but then another way of sort of looking at volume um w with weight is which is a kind of a better way of sort of calculating it gives you a better idea then of sort of integrating in say the intensity is um the idea of looking at it and saying okay recording the weight on top of it so you're saying three by ten at 10 kg okay so now you know you did 30 reps at 10 kg so you you lifted 300 kg in total on that okay um then you'll see it your difference in okay you did three sets of 10 at 10 kg but let's say, for example, when you integrate in that intensity, you know, okay, if you go up to those higher intensities, you're not going to be able to do as many reps. So you're looking at and saying, okay, I did three by three, but I did, you know, a hundred kg for my, uh, for my, uh, for each individual rep. Now I know I did a lot more. You can get a better idea or sort of an estimation by sort of integrating the two. So you can see that sort of relationship between the two of them, where you've got, say, uh, intensity affecting volume and volume affecting um, intensity you're not going to be able to do like lots and lots of reps at those really high um, intensities 
Um, and that's something that you need to kind of keep in mind when it comes to playing around with those two variables. And then rest as well. Rest gets affected by sort of our intensity and volume as well. As we get up to those sort of higher intensities, certain when it comes to strength, uh, it's important to know that you need to uh, rest for longer periods. You need to make sure the quality is there. If you're adjusting rest in terms of um, saying, okay, I want to make my sessions tougher, you could certainly decrease your, your rest intervals, but you cert you need to keep in mind, okay, why are you doing so? You know, are you trying to make the workout or training session tougher, which is not necessarily like a, a good way of uh, progressing and advancing things. It's not really the focus that we want to have with our training by just making things tougher. We want to have it more uh, sort of specific to our goals. Then we wouldn't say decrease our rest when we're trying to work on our strength. We'd actually increase it and we'd say, okay, we'd give ourselves anywhere from sort of three to five minutes of a break in between something really high intensity so that we're able to get those reps that are required uh, at that sort of sort of high number. Um, certainly then as you get like maybe uh, longer into a session, you might want to take longer breaks, uh, slightly longer or something like that, just to sort of allow yourself more recovery time because you've done so much for that sort of uh, session. But then as I said, when necessary, you can actually uh, decrease those rest intervals if you're looking at something like high intensity interval training or you're looking at say like a, a big uh, group of movements that you're doing together one after the other and um, you've now paired two movements together and completely taken away the rest interval maybe you know that they won't sort of interfere with each other too much you know it's a maybe an upper body dominant movement but a lower body dominant movement and um, you know that they're not going to affect each other uh, too much massively so it makes sense just to sort of pair them it de decreases the sort of total workout time uh, or total session time um, and it's another way of sort of increasing uh, the intensity if necessary so we can kind of see that sort of interrelatedness of those last three the sort of idea of intensity volume um, and rest okay um, one thing I suppose I didn't touch on there with volume too much is volume is really important in terms of looking at say the uh, there's obviously the, the relatedness to progressive overload that I talked about there with the uh, progression. But in terms of volume as well here, we can see then as time goes on, a uh, very easy way of sort of tracking and, and measuring our sort of progressive overload is seeing potentially if our volume uh, is going up. If we're recording a lot of our stuff, it's a very easy sort of way of seeing that. Um, but seeing massive jumps in volume, we know is, is going to be very... Uh, bad for say like injury risk you have an increased risk of injury if you're seeing sort of massive uh, spikes in volume big changes over time uh, that you haven't really sort of geared up to in some sense or you're not ready for you see this a lot of the time with people who are just uh, inactive for a long period of time um, or perhaps they're doing something uh, novice to them in the context you know they may not be a novice uh, practitioner but they are doing something that is sort of new to them and they just do it in a massive amount of volume in a very small window. And that's where they get the injury. I used that example earlier of say like handstands and I was saying this idea of, okay, is your uh, wrist in a good position to do so? Are your shoulders in, in, a, in a good shape? Uh, have you built up a little bit of volume already in the handstands? If, you're, if you haven't then, it, and you just go straight in and go, okay, I'm going to do handstands every day and I'm going to do an hour every day. 
what you're gonna find that the volume is probably too much on the wrist, the shoulders, all that sort of stuff, and that's where you start to increase your risk of injury, unfortunately. So that's an important thing to keep in mind then is sort of the, is, is that sort of playing around with volume and making sure that you're not just going for these sort of like massive spikes and massive trots as well. You know, you have to tear it up to the point that you're sort of seeing yourself step by step getting, uh, advancing it progressively, overloading it, um, and not just doing loads one week, none the next week, none the next week, loads the, the fourth week, none again. You're just not gonna see that sort of progression. The body just isn't getting enough sort of consistent stimulus to really uh, adapt and change, okay? Uh, so another sort of important thing to definitely keep in mind. Um, that's pretty much everything, folks. Lots in there, uh, lots to sort of digest and go through uh, in your own time. And it was really interesting to obviously give you that in terms of say like what are the the underlying principles behind some of the variables that we uh, can change in our training and then hint in some sense to say okay well what what are the methods you know I as a uh, person that programs someone and has uh, people that students that work with me and work under me and um, I'm giving them sort of my specific methods that I find very useful but I'm sort of keeping these principles in mind that sort of help me select what are the the specific methods that I'm going to use another coach another teacher another practitioner is going to use uh, different methods different ways of getting there and um, some might be sort of better in some sense some might not be as valuable but you always have to keep these sort of principles in mind that sort of help you and make your choices of methods okay but as long as you can sort of see that there are some of these principles behind the methods then you know it's valuable okay um any questions of course let me know uh, it'd be very interesting to sort of see anything that sort of comes up uh, from everything we just discussed there uh, the direction that we're going with the podcast as well i'm sort of interested to sort of think of these more these episodes where they are more say uh specifically driven at, at, a, at a certain topic um, I know myself, I have a, a direction that I want to go with things that sort of falls in line with a project that I have at the moment that's going to be uh, launching sometime soon. And I'm sort of giving a bit of insight into how this is, this sort of project of mine is going to be structured by the podcast episode. So if you're following along week by week, um, it'll be very interesting to sort of see where this goes. Uh, you'll get a good insight into how this project is going to be, uh, how it's going to be formulated, how it's going to look. Okay. I'd really appreciate it as well. Uh, last week's episode got uh, loads of shares, so I, I certainly hope this is a good um, a good progression on from that. You know, it's like we were looking at injuries last week, so we're now looking at sort of variables within your training that you can adjust. Um, I don't necessarily want to make this podcast very specific uh, to do with like the variable or the, the things within your training that you're always trying to adjust. Like I am trying to keep it, I suppose, uh, open-minded to other things other things like uh, i don't know uh, sleep nutrition um just general insights and training things that i found valuable all that sort of stuff so i'm sure i'll get a chance to sort of mix all those things in uh but we'll, we'll sort of see what that looks like over the next little while and um if you can potentially share the episode i'd really appreciate it if you think someone's going to find this valuable um if you found it valuable of course uh leave a uh, rating of the podcast or something like that as well whatever uh platform you're using uh spotify apple Podcasts, all, all the rest um that's everything for today folks i'll see you soon all right all the best take care